Today we're joined by Heidi Still from Live, Play, Learn. She is a fellow homeschooling mum, or an unschooling mum, I should say. Um, Heidi, would you like to introduce yourself to us? Hi, Kelly. Uh, yeah, my name's um, Heidi Steele. Um, as you have just said, I'm an unschooling parent. We've been unschooling for 10 years now. Um, I have four children at home with me um, who are all compulsory school age. So I have two boys who are 13 and 12. And then I have two girls who are nine and six. I have to think really hard about those because we've had lots of birthdays recently. So they all sort of, we will level up. Um, <laughs> So yeah, my children have never um, been to school and we have always chosen to unschool them. And I um, am actually a former primary school teacher, um, which uh, heavily influenced our decision um, to home educate our own children. And currently, um, as well as unschooling my children, I spend my time at Live, Play, Learn, uh, org. I blog there um, and I also have a Facebook page um, where I just provide encouragement for unschoolers and sort of tips and just conversation um, about what unschooling looks like and um, yeah encouraging other people on their journey. Great so that's, that's a big leap isn't it going from a primary school teacher to homeschooling and then to unschooling like that's a big a big big leap. So can you just, for anyone who isn't quite sure what unschooling is, can you just give us a bit of a, um, an idea what unschooling looks like for you and for your family? Wow, that's, uh, unschool's quite difficult to um, explain in a nutshell. Um, but one of the ways we explain it is that it's not school. So most things that you would associate with school, um, we are not doing um, those things. And another way that we explain it is it's just, we just live our lives, normal, everyday lives, um, doing the things that we love doing, uh, being involved in our community and the, and the things that we love contributing and unable to contribute to in our community. Um, and in this way, our children um, live, yeah, live, play and learn naturally and organically through, um, through life. I love that. Just just kind of letting your children experience life as it should be, not in that kind of forced school environment. And so what kind, what's led you to the decision to home educate? Being an ex-primary school teacher, what was it that, that made you think, actually, you know, I don't want this for my kids. We're going to do things alternatively. I'm going to educate them in a different way. What led you down that, that path? Yeah, lots of lots of contributing factors, really. But primarily, I spent um, ten years working as a primary teacher, and um, there were four. I did four years of study um, to to be qualified to do that, and a lot of the study that I did was based on um, cognitive development, um, a child's natural um, ability to play. Um, their natural um, and child development. And so I spent a lot of time studying those things and I loved it. I was really interested in this idea that, um, you know, as human beings, we sort of, we develop these skills naturally. Um, and then um, I went on to teaching 
and spent 10 years sort of working in early years, which is quite play-based, reception, nurseries. Um, I did also a lot of work uh, with children who had English as an additional language. And, um, and then I, the, my later years of my career, I did spread out into, um, branch out even into um, the later years of, of primary school. Um, but what all of that experience told me was that the education system didn't reflect all the studying that I had done about how children naturally learn. And the two things are really quite separate and the education system was not nurturing our children in a way that is possible um, and a way that is really healthy. And um, I just, when it came to putting my own children in that system, I, I just had got to a point where I was really disillusioned with it. And that's not what I wanted um, at that time for my children. Um, well, particularly my eldest, because obviously he was the first one to, you know, we had to make a decision about what we were going to do. Um, and we made the decision to home educate. And we had already made the decision that we were not going to, at least initially, we were not going to implement sort of a timetable or educational worksheets or workbooks or curriculum. Um, that we were going to continue as we had done for the first four or five years of his life. Um, you know, um, yes, when it came to my eldest, we um, decided we were just going to continue living the way we had, that he would, um, we would just facilitate his play and allow him to explore the world in a way that seemed really natural to him. Um, and we weren't going to implement um, a curriculum, we weren't going to implement any sort of set timetable or um, particular learning goals or anything that would really look like um, school. Uh, really my thinking behind that had been um, based on a school of thought which is that um, a lot of other places in the world use which is that children don't begin formal education until they're seven or eight years old. Um, so I just took that on board and I thought, well, we can we can do that until they're seven or eight years old and then we can reassess, you know, decisions you make about your child and, the, and your educational choices. They don't, they're, they're not forever decisions. Um, you know, you can reassess. So that's what we were going to do. Um, and in the course of that time, in fact, really very rapidly after we had decided to home educate, um, we discovered unschooling and it was such a natural fit for us that was that was it we were we were wholeheartedly on board right from you know right from the get-go with that and we still had a lot of um a lot of things to change in, in what we were doing and our thinking um but yeah we never we actually never looked back you know we didn't start doing any formal anything at any age um you know it just it just continued to work for us and my children continue to flourish so that's what we do yeah you know that that was pretty much the same for us we got to a point where we had to look around schools for our eldest and uh, we was looking around the schools and some of there was one class in particular that were learning about money it was an early years class I think that was learning about money but it was on a worksheet and I'm like but we learn about we go to shops with real money and we learn how to budget and so um 
we looked around all of the schools and it was like, oh, you know, it was actually a bit of a joke to begin with. I said to my husband, oh, we'll just home educate. And then I looked into it. I was like, actually, you don't have to be a qualified teacher to home educate. You don't you don't have to have any qualifications at all, really. As a matter of fact, you know best for your child as their parent. And so I looked into it more and more. And then we came across unschooling and it was like, wow, this is what we've been doing anyway. Just learning through play, following her own interests and passions. And um, that's totally, totally what we what we did. And we continue to do now. But every now and then I do have a bit of a wobble. I think I'm still in that schooled mindset myself where I'm like, they don't quite know algebra yet or they don't know their times tables or my seven year old still wasn't reading fluently, but you know, it, it, it will all come. It will all come naturally when their brains are ready that it will totally come saying that. My seven year old the other day came to me and he was like, mom, I'm gonna write a story about football. And I was like, oh, like blown away. They're the magical moments that I'm like, yeah, yeah. wow, yes, you're picking up a pencil and you're actually writing. Yeah. Um, so, but I know that a lot of parents try and recreate school at home. They try and kind of have that classroom environment and, I suppose if you're a new homeschooler, you um, you kind of automatically think that you have to recreate the classroom at home and do all of the curriculums and stick to a timetable and things like that. And so a lot of people try and recreate school at home. And also um, mums and dads, normally it falls on the mums though, doesn't it mostly? Um, trying to wear all of the hats, trying to be the teacher and the mum and the cleaner and the playmate and the everything else, trying to do everything. And in my experience, what I've seen and actually when I've kind of gone through the moments of, come on, let's sit down and do this worksheet, it just causes that disconnect when your child is like, I don't want to do it and you're upset and they're upset and it, it it's just damaging to your relationship. And so by unschooling you're really really um you're building your relationship even more making stronger connections with your children and i mean it's not all rainbows and unicorns is it but, nope. <laughs> but for us anyway unschooling is definitely definitely the way to go so you have four children so you're already super busy with with four children and you also are a blogger and an unschooling coach and doing all of these amazing things. How are you doing it all? How do you do everything and kind of stay on top of life, you know? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> um, what I do, that makes things lots easier. And that's a real unschooling mindset as well. You know, like if you love what you do, it's not gonna feel you know like a chore it's not going to feel cumbersome it's not going to feel like something that's you know pulling you down in life you know I love um um yeah I love what I do um so that helps um and it's really so that my personal work is very much um again in a very unschooling mindset it's very in the in the flow you know I do what I can when I can um if if one week we're super busy and I don't get to write a blog post then I don't get to write a blog post 
Um, or if one week I'm, you know, I've got my own podcast. So if one week I'm really hyper-focused on the podcast and I and I do that and I don't submit an article, then then that's then I don't do those things. Um, which is a very unschooling um, mindset. I don't have this rigid timetable about what I'm going to do, when, and and how that works. Um, I'm fortunate. I've got a really supportive husband. Um, so a lot of the things that I do, you know, I ring fence time, and you know, he steps in and does maybe the more on hands on hands. He steps in and does the more hands on um, aspect with the children. So, you know, like, you know, like we're here now having this chat, which is great, you know, and he is available to be with the children and support them. Um, so that's a really big help. Um, but really, again, an unschooling thing is my older two, my 13 and my 12 year old are really independent now. Um, I, we do have lots of love connection time. We do have lots of things that we do together, um, but they also are super independent and they have acquired these skills and they know, you know, when they get an idea about what they want to do, they know where to go and look for things. They know who to contact. They know how to source stuff. They know how to sort of schedule themselves and timetable themselves in the day. Um, so the support that I give them now has changed and is not so time consuming um, as it is for, you know, you know what it's like. I mean, I'm sure your listeners know what it's like when you've got young children, you know, they are just there all the <laughs> time. Um, and that's really important. It's really important for their connection with you. It's really important for their emotional growth. It's really important for their um, natural um growth in terms of working towards independence um, because that does come um, but it comes in their own time not in a forced uh, situation um, yeah so all that a combination of all those things really just enables me to um, do things that I love um, as well I don't just just do blogging I also like to crochet and I walk my dog and look after my chickens and have a garden I like growing vegetables um, so I've got lots of things that are, are going on um, which I highly recommend if you're unschooling that you've got your own you find things you enjoy yourself you know not things that you have to do you know not things that somebody else has requires you to do something that you actually go I really enjoy this and spend time doing it but it comes with time I mean there was realistically you know four or five years ago I wouldn't have had time for the things I do now because my focus and my priority is my children our relationship and supporting them as they grow up yeah yeah definitely and just going back to doing things that you love like you know you're not doing you're not going out to a job every day which really stresses you out and um you're totally passionate about what you do and that totally helps doesn't it so um yeah so that's really really cool um so just also going back to when you um were in the schooling system and then you've come out of the schooling system to unschool your children just talk us through that unschooling yourself process of um being so kind of rigid in your kind of box ticking for the government and you know hitting your targets and the curriculum and things did it take you a very long time 
personally to have that unschooled mindset? I honestly thought that uh, when I left the school system, I thought that's it. I've been in a lot. I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. And um, I honestly thought that I would get it like overnight. Like we would be, I'm jumping in. I don't want anything to do with the school system. So like I said before, like we deliberately didn't introduce curriculums. We didn't have timetables, all of that stuff. Um, the practical stuff was really, really easy to ditch. Um, but what happened was similar to what you were talking about just a minute ago. What happened was I would find myself at like nine o'clock in the morning. I'd like look at the clock and I'd be like, all those children in school right now are doing literacy hour because I'd lived it for 10 years. I knew exactly what they were doing and when, like, all they're doing literacy hour. Maybe, maybe we ought to read a book together. <laughs> maybe we ought to, you know, and I just ha had almost like these little demons every now and then that would pop in and say, oh, hang on, you know, like, Oh, it's half past nine and my child's still wearing pajamas maybe we ought to get dressed um you know or even thinking at three o'clock in the afternoon when other children were being picked up you know that little thought about oh hang on a minute what have we done today what where, what are we doing you know and constantly having to rethink or teach myself a new script you know to give myself something new to say you know my my children have had a a great day actually we've we've been warm we've been relaxed um you know some some days we'd spent all day on the beach some days we'd like pop to the woods with friends um and just refocusing myself on the things we were doing the opportunities my children did have um and even as simple as do you know even if my child has done something tricky today or been upset today or been angry today um, the bottom line is when they had those feelings, they still had a caregiver, a main caregiver who was there present with them to help them emotionally ride those moments. Um, and yeah, so giving myself time to rethink. And like you said, actually, those, those thoughts do become um, less intense. They, they present themselves less often um but they don't go away entirely you know when my eldest became secondary age immediately I had this thought oh, he's, he's, he would be going to secondary school like he would be doing chemistry and you know he would be learning like I don't know I'm gonna say biology or French you know and here he is spending 10 hours a day building with Lego <laughs> Um, you know, you still have those thoughts that intrude every now and then and you have to you have to catch them and you have to deal with them and you have to, you know, write yourself a new a new script and focus back on. Right. What are we doing with my children? What are my children doing? Are they happy? Are they secure? Are they learning? Yes, they are. Right. Focus, refocus all the time. Yeah, yeah. And and. It's not all about academic learning. It's, it's, I think that um, we do definitely, I, well, I definitely compare myself to others as well. Like you say, when you said um, children in school would be doing literacy hour or, you know, we'll be learning maths at this time. I've never been in the schooling system teaching myself. I went through the schooling system, but um, I'm, I've never been a teacher. 
I tend to compare myself and look at other homeschooling mums who do follow the curriculum, who are teaching their children Latin or who are teaching their children po have poetry tea time once a week or, you know, and all these things are great if your kids want to learn it. Um, and yeah, so it's not all about the academics and learning is everywhere. As long as your child is enjoying what you're doing or what they're doing, playing, totally immersed in their projects or whatever it is, it could literally be anything, then they are learning what they need to learn mm -hmm. when they're ready to learn it. Mm -hmm. And so as an unschooling family, a lot of people right now would be kind of thinking, what, so you don't do any, you don't do any workbooks. Where, how do your children learn how to read? How do they learn how to write? Or, you know, they're never going to learn maths. Or, you know, for some people, it is really a really, really radical education. But actually, before school age, before the age of four, our children learn everything they need to learn. We don't look at a, a 13 month old child who isn't walking yet and say, oh, oh, you're not, you're not, you should be walking by now. You know, we, we just trust that they will learn how to walk and how to talk and how to do the thing that they should be doing because it just comes naturally to us as humans. This is how we naturally learn through play and through what we're interested in. Um, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about screens because I know some homeschooling families are totally against screens. Some have a little bit of screen time if their children have earned, earned their screen time. So then it's a reward. Um, and for us, we kind of have unlimited screen time. But for me, in my mind, there is still that, oh, you know, there hasn't been that much research done into it. Is it really bad for their development? You know, there's kind of pros and cons in everything. So what does screen time look in, look like in your home? Oh, that's a good question. Well, as you say, we are, and we would say we are unlimited. We have a really tech positive attitude in our household. It is of no more value than reading a book or, um, you know, listening to the radio, um, you know, drawing pictures, bouncing on the trampoline. Um, it just is another tool in our house that our children have access to and can utilise um, in a way that um, is suitable for them and their needs at the time. Because, of course, you know, we call it screen time um, or it's commonly referred to as screen time. But the things that you now do, you know, on your phone or your computer, um, are really fast now you know you can you take digital pictures you can listen to audiobooks you can watch tutorials um you know you can use it you know i use it to write my blog posts send emails communicate you know shop um the list is extensive and to sort of bulk it all together under this one umbrella term and say screen time um I would find quite unhelpful. Um, for us, we it was one of those things that I was talking about earlier when I said, you know, we hadn't, we didn't 
unschool everything straight away. We still had things that we had to unlearn. And the, the screen time element was one of them. Um, but it became apparent that the more time we spent at home, um, the more difficult it was for us to, and the more we realised that learning was everywhere and in everything, the more difficult it was for us to say, right, if we are working on, I don't know, if my kids wanted to draw birds, um, it was really difficult to say, well, well, we'll look up a picture or a tutorial of how to draw a bird, you know, on YouTube, and we'll do that. Well, does that count as your screen time? Or do you have specific screen time this afternoon between the hours of two and four o'clock? And it just became more and more difficult to, to, to start to divide things up in that way. It was it was unnatural to the way that we were living. Um, so in our household, um, screen time looks different for each of my children because it's about how they use the tools that they have. Um, they do each have um, either a phone or a tablet and they do each have a um, computer um, and they use it for gaming predominantly at the moment they use it for connecting with their friends um, we use it for um, my son watches youtube tutorials a lot um, based on whatever his interest is in at the time he uses youtube as a way of um, accessing tutorials um, you know, watching TV, watching films, listening to podcasts. My eldest likes listening to podcasts. Um, oh, I'm trying to think what else we use it for. Yeah, lots and lots of, you know, a great variety of, of things. They've all got like an Amazon wish list, which is, is great because if they see something that they would really like, it's their way of, you know, they can just go on and add it onto their wish list and, and that's a really useful tool in terms of um, managing, you know, where their interests are at and what to what other thing equipment they might need or things that they're interested in. Um, so they've all got that as well. But even simple things like the way that my children connect with their friends online is fascinating to me. You know, my older two um, predominantly use Discord because um they can game using discord and it takes less bandwidth um so it doesn't interfere with the gaming process quite so much as something like skype would um so they use discord a lot but they use um skype for like sending pictures to their friends um my eldest is nearly 14 he's got social media accounts as as well so he uses it for that but when my daughter skypes her friends um this just fascinates me because, you know, when I uh, video call somebody, I sit there rather like I am with you now and I, I chat and you chat and I chat and you chat. Um, well, she actually does things like they play games with the emojis. They like they play these story games where they pick three emojis each and then they have to tell a story using those three emojis. And then the next person chooses three emojis and they have to continue the story, but incorporating those three emojis. Um, they play Barbies together, so they'll go and say, oh, let's, let's play Barbies today. I'll get my Barbies out and you get your Barbies out. And they play Barbies together. Sometimes they'll just um, sit, you know, she'll just sit with her friend on Skype in total silence because they're sitting there drawing together. And it's like they're sat next to each other drawing, even though they're clearly not. But it's 
it's so yeah it's so fascinating the way that they use it and then and then one of them will say oh I've, I've nearly finished my drawing should I show you yeah you show me and then they and then they um do that so the way they utilize technology as well is completely different to the way I do the, the way maybe adults do um because they have this unique relationship with it I think in terms of they they don't I think they're bolder with it. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. You know, they're bolder with experimenting. What can I do with it? What what can what is the purpose of this? What how can this help me? Um, yeah, we're technology fans, <laughs> so you get the <laughs> you get the impression. Yeah, we're technology fans. Um, it's not. Yeah, and because it doesn't hold any or less value over anything else, it doesn't become, um, in my opinion, like this forbidden fruit or this mysterious you know what's why what is this thing over in this corner that's mysterious and I'm not allowed to touch for only for two hours a day you know it, it loses that element of um mystique about it I think and just becomes of same importance as you know choosing to bake a cake or you know plant some seeds or you know play barbies um it just it just becomes a normal part of our everyday pattern definitely and you may be getting the recipes to bake that cake from the internet or yep. <laughs> learning yep. how to grow a garden from watching youtube tutorials mm -hmm. you can literally learn anything off of the internet which is just amazing my daughter's learned how to edit videos she wants to be a film editor and um it's incredible she's learned so much she uses green screens and she's got all of the lights and the cameras and um it's just it's amazing what what they can learn just just through youtube and online courses mm -hmm. she actually um during the first lockdown she decided that she really needed a laptop to edit her her things on so she said mommy i really need a laptop so i said oh you know that you maybe for your birthday which was in October. So she's like, I can't wait that long. So I said, oh, you can do some odd jobs around the house if you like. And she did, and it, she wasn't making enough money quick enough. She was like, well, what can I do? I said, oh, you know, have a think about it and see see what you kind of come up with. And she ended up baking cupcakes and selling them to people just in our village, just as I was walking by. And um, I put a little post on a Facebook group, our local Facebook group, and just oh, my daughter's selling cupcakes to raise money to buy a secondhand laptop. And um, she ended up having so many people come and buy these cupcakes. She was up at like six o'clock in the morning, baking these cakes, sitting out outdoors all day. And she made enough money to buy her laptop because she was intrinsically motivated to do that. that was, she was like, I'm, I'm doing this. This is going to be you know, that's my end goal is to get this laptop so I can film and edit my videos and post them onto YouTube. And that's what she does. And she's brilliant at it. And so I think that just goes to show that we can do anything we put our minds to. If we're passionate enough about something, we can we can achieve anything. Um, so one big thing for us is... Um, social media awareness and you know grooming and things like that and I think it's more about having conversations 
with our kids about it so they are aware it's just having the relationship with your child you know they can come to you and say mom I've just had this mm -hmm. message from someone mm -hmm. or someone's liked one of my posts or you know so anything they can just kind of it is definitely having that open relationship with your kids um yeah I think interestingly though we what what tends to happen is people have this mindset that these things, these bad things happen on social media and, you know, and on the internet. And when I'm, I'm gaming and you're in public gaming forums and, you know, all that stuff, you know, the, these bad things happen on social media and, and on the screen and on the computer. These bad things happen out, you know, outside your front door. Actually, if we're going to separate real life from screen life, they happen with, with people in your family. I don't want to be miserable but they happen realistically with people in your family with people in your community with you know people in the general public when you're out and about um and the and the principles that you apply to when you talk to your children about you know all that you know big subjects they apply when you are working on line as well and when your children are working online as well and what's fundamental is what you would pointing out is that it's about the relationship that we have that our children are able to talk to us and that we are open and talk to our children about these things and not in a sort of I need to get an educational pack and sit down and you know do a session on social media and appropriate and inappropriate behavior but it's part of the way that we live our life and that we talk about um what's happening in our lives you know and what's happening maybe they've heard something in the news or, or something like that or something's happened to a friend of ours that when they talk about those things or when we hear others talking about those things that we are able to have those conversations with them um which is one of the things that we've always thought okay we need to build this relationship you know prioritize the relationship the relationship the relationship and and sort of hoping that it works out and then we had this moment when my 13 year old has had an instagram account for probably not quite a year and he got a message from someone and he just was not sure about it at all and the first thing he did was came and said to us i've got this message and it doesn't feel right and it was that moment where we just went oh, yes okay you know he feels secure enough to be able to come and say to us this isn't right and not in a position where he feels ashamed or that he has to hide it which is what we you know we wanted we wanted to have an open relationship where he could come and say that and then the message turned out to be um really innocent but we showed him you know this is how you can go and look at somebody's account this is how you can block somebody's account my husband relayed a story about when he was contacted by someone that wasn't quite so innocent but it gave us you know because it gave us that platform and um, that springboard to be able to talk about what a unpleasant message might look like or might be um and then and then the moment and then the moment passed and the next time it happened he just came and said to me oh i had another message but i i looked into it i didn't like it so i blocked them um and it was we feel like we've navigated you know we've not when we are navigating those things but it's not really any different than navigating those same situations with real life people outside your front, literal front door i absolutely agree
in 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 any conversation though it's I think it's really important that we are totally open with our kids like when they come and ask us something I remember mm. my daughter asking me how babies are made and we were out shopping yep. in Cambridge and it was not one of their moments where you you're like right let's sit down we're gonna have the chat you know yeah it was not like that at all it was just we were, we were just shopping and we were both happy and we just had the conversation and it's like oh okay and then that was it <laughs> yeah but it's like you were saying it's it's all of that it's not just about um making a conscious effort to have those conversations it's about being honest with our children in all conversations you know and when they come to us and ask us a question that we take the time to answer it regardless of what the question is whether it's a, a big life question or just you know what are we having for tea um you know it's and in that way they know that they can come to us and ask us questions and we will answer the questions you know it's it's a really sort of simple idea but it has this when you implement it that way, it just has this really big, um, you know, big implications, um, which can feel quite scary when you say it like that, but it's not, it's not scary. Um, you know, we similarly, you know, I've got four children in the first eight years of my eldest life, I was either, you know, pregnant, newborn or, or sort of breastfeeding, you know, his whole life, his whole first eight years of his life was about where do babies come from and what are you doing now and and what what you know what is that and and having and just answering him on a day-to-day -day basis of, you know that's the question he's got today he doesn't need to know any more than you know what's that called or what are you doing they sort of string it all together over time and and come back to you and say well hang on a minute you told me this and now I've seen this and I think they're connected you know talk me through that um you know like when you're in school and you have that one moment where you have a sex education conversation um or a class um and it's not like that when you're living life and you're unschooling it's a hundred small conversations that build up trust you know connection open communication honesty and the building up of information and ideas about big topics yeah, and the trust, because if, if they come to you with the small things and you're kind of just brushing them off or whatever, then they, they're not, you're not building up that trust, that relationship for them to come to you with the big stuff when they're older. So it's just, yeah, it's so, so important. Just going back to the sex education talk in school as well. I remember them showing a, um, a video of a lady giving birth, like the most horrific video ever. And now as an adult who's into hypnobirthing and, you know, um, very, very calm environment and it doesn't have to be like that. It's, it's, it's very odd that they don't show you all of the different scenarios, yeah. like how it could be. And it's very, very strange. Yeah. So I had three of my children at home. So I had three home births. My eldest was um, the one that I had um, in hospital, but only just to be fair. Um, <laughs> yeah the other three I had at home um so of course for my older three they've all seen me have home births they weren't present for the birth but they knew that I was at home when I had the birth um my daughter her experience or her knowledge of that is based on you know tv programs and such like and I have to make a conscious effort to say actually I 
I gave birth to you at home. Oh, did the doctor come to our house? Well, no, no I didn't have a doctor at our, come to our house and, and, and explain it to her because there's, there always seems to be a dominant message about how things happen and how things are. You know, this is how we give birth. You know, this is how you um, get an education. You know, whatever it is, it always seems to be a predominant message about how it is. And there are, there are many ways to do things in the world, you know. Definitely, definitely. My daughter really wanted to be there at the birth of, um, of our youngest but she couldn't be. I didn't have any of mine at home. I really wanted to, but there was complications and things. And so I couldn't. And um, she was desperate to be there. But we did show her um, lots of videos and things. And um, yeah. Yeah. So rather than her being fearful of when she actually does give birth one day, <laughs> she, she knows that there's lots of alternative ways. So for anybody who is thinking of taking their child out of school or who is thinking of just not sending their child to school at all, what would your advice be for them? Wow, that's a big question. Um, relax, really, really relax. Try not to panic or stress about all the things you think you should be doing or you shouldn't be doing um not try not to compare yourself with other people that's a big one um really focus on your child what is your child doing and supporting them and facilitating them you know if they like lego then do lego um, if they like watching films then watch films if they like sports and swimming and running um, then go with it and do that um, really focus on what it is your child enjoys um, and is passionate about and so we call it facilitating facilitate that do more of that <laughs> um, and see so one way of doing that is like offering them different ways of doing that so so the lego is a really good example for me because um, we set up like a Lego club and we took him to Lego exhibitions in, in different like museums and zoos and things like that. Um, we invested in different Lego kits. Yeah, so there's so just trying to think of different ways you can sort of approach the same passion, really. Um, but always being in tune with your child, like if they say no, then then don't. Like you got it wrong. That's not for now. Um, so yeah, so focus on your child, focus on what they're enjoying and, you know, facilitate that and, um, and join them in that. Um, focusing on relationships. So we prioritize relationships in unschooling. Um, so really, you know, it's what I mean about being in tune with your child, spending time with your child, doing things that they love. Um, just helping your child through the big emotions of life. Yeah, relationship, relationship, relationship. Um, if something is causing stress or there's resistance, um, then that is a key point, you know, it's a, like an alarm for you, right? That's not what we should be doing. Um, I was going to mention something else. Yeah, don't buy a curriculum. That's like a total 
new home educators. <laughs> Like, and it, yeah it, it like like everyone's like oh, need to buy a curriculum i need to get a timetable um you know if you're looking particularly at unschooling if your children are really happy doing what they're doing um and it doesn't look like school and you're going to continue along that path don't be tempted to invest in um curriculum invest in good quality equipment and tools instead you know if they like art buy them good quality art supplies you know, if they like gaming, you know, buy them, invest in um, different games for them. You know, if they like playing with um, Barbies, then, you know, jump on eBay or Marketplace or wherever and, you know, bulk buy some Barbies for them. Um, yeah, sort of match your enthusiasm for, you know, spending money and investing in their education and match it with, you know what your children actually are interested in and what's going to engage them and and what they what they're passionate about definitely and if they are still interested if they've come out of the schooling system and they quite like the whole academic side of things and they want to continue with a the curriculum then there's no problem is there like we can we can do that like we facilitate anything the child wants to learn so like you said about barbies maybe if your child's interested in barbies you can suggest making some clothes for your Barbies or maybe they can travel different parts of the world, but we're not forcing that on them. Yeah. We're just making suggestions. And if it's a flat no, <laughs> then that's cool. That's fine. Yeah, the other thing is, I mean, if you're coming out of the school system, we have this process which we call de-schooling, um, which is about taking time and a break from traditional education setup um, so that you can often heal, we use the word heal, um, from the impact of school on your life, the impact of school on your child's life. Um, and just, so people often view that as sort of like, like the summer holidays, you know, just like, don't do school, just do, whatever you need to do, like watch movies all day or go to the beach or go and hang out at the swimming pool for a bit. You know, whatever it is that you would do as a family, like during the summer holidays, like if you were on holiday, you know, go go visit a museum, but don't visit a museum because it's educational. Do it because you're interested in going to see, I don't know, the dinosaur exhibition. Um, yeah, so taking time to de yeah to de school um i've got a podcast coming up on de schooling actually I speak to a friend of mine called rachel oh, i just i just plugged plugged my podcast uh, right. <laughs> yeah so i've got i've got a podcast coming up actually which is um discussing de schooling and what it is and what it looks like um and it is really um it is really important to not just jump straight into doing school stuff at home and in time if that is you know what suits you and your family um and that's the route that you want to take then then you know home education is a choice and you get to decide what that looks like for you and your family um but whichever route you decide on at the end of it i would take that time to just take a breath and a pause between your school journey and your home educating journey yeah and the time period for that that's normally 
one month for every year the child has been in school that's kind of like a rough guide give or take a bit yeah Uh, give or take a bit you can normally tell um when it's coming to an end because um children sort of begin to initiate themselves things that they want to do so in the beginning it might just be a lot of sort of binge watching on tv um you know maybe a walk in the woods sort of really um chilled stuff um and then there comes maybe a moment where your child says oh i think today i might you know i'm gonna say lego again build a lego model or or oh i saw this thing on youtube last week and they were drawing pictures of faces and i i quite fancy having a go at that and they sort of emerge into the you know out out of the sort of it's impossible to do nothing but what looks like doing nothing which is that process of de-schooling that process of disconnecting from from school taking a break um yes you can tell when it's over because they sort of start to emerge if your child has had specific school trauma in any area um then it takes it will take longer and we have to remember as adults most of us have had at least 12 years of schooling um so it can take the adult in the family a lot longer to take off those sort of school-like goggles (laughs) um than than their children it can take you know a year and if you have happened to then become a qualified you know gone to university got a doctorate and become a qualified um, teacher maybe you know you're then talking even you're then talking even longer um so yeah just things to be aware of yeah and sometimes <clears throat> I've seen in other families we didn't we have never kind of had to go through that de-schooling process but would you say that you could kind of naturally flow into unschooling from mm-hmm. schooling so you probably might you might not even notice that you are unschooling and de-schooling there might not be that kind of right you know this is the date where we stopped de-schooling and we began our unschooling journey because a lot of the time it does just naturally flow yeah absolutely once you take school out of the equation and that's you know you've purposefully removing that out of the equation de-schooling what you're doing in de-schooling and what you're doing in unschooling can look very, very similar. Um, because as you say, one then naturally flows into the other. You know, like when I just gave the example of someone saying, oh, hang on, I watched this YouTube tutorial last week and I fancy giving that a go. Well, that's that's just part of unschooling. That then just flows into them giving it another go or trying a different tutorial. or And it just sort of continues from there, really. Is there anything you want to add to anything that we've discussed um do i want to add anything wow we've covered so much um and where can we find your podcast as well yeah okay so i'll do a little i'll do like a quick thing uh so i blog regularly at liveplaylearn.org um all the podcast information is there and that then links to the podcast um the podcast is available on youtube it's called unschooling conversations um, so we talk about a really wide range of topics, but all from an unschooling um, perspective. So I've got some book reviews coming up. 
we've got a conversation on de-schooling, we've got a conversation happening with um, a, a PDA extraordinaire, he calls himself Harry Thompson, um, about uh, unschooling neurodivergent children. Um, yeah, so loads and loads of um, things coming up there. It's quite new, so, that, so there's sort of um, one or two, but that's, that's growing. That's available on YouTube, Live, Play, Learn, um, and also via Anchor and Spotify. Um, what else do I do? Oh, I hold monthly um, webinars with a fantastic lady called Naomi Fisher, um, who is a psychologist who um, unschooled her own two children and now they continue um, to be educated in a self-directed education um, environment. Uh, so we do a monthly webinar and that's called Exploring Self-Directed Education. Uh, where people can come and ask us questions. So that's quite interactive, um, which is a, a nice element to that. And um, that again is available, uh, not again, that is available via Eventbrite. Um, but to keep up to date with everything that I do, the best place to go is the Facebook page, Live, Play, Learn, because I just I just put everything on there and then redirect people to um, different um, things. I also do mentoring, one-to-one -one mentoring for um, individuals or um, families. Um, and I hold a coaching course, um, which is Understanding Unschooling. And the next time I'm doing that, I think it's April. Um, again, you can find out more about that from the Facebook page. Um, and my parting words of wisdom, <laughs> it's not really my parting words of wisdom, but you said if there was anything I was gonna add, I always say like I'm a former teacher, like this is my thing, like I came from education, I work in education, education is like my passion, I love finding out about how children learn and how children learn naturally, and that is the pathway that I took into unschooling, um, but I always want to reiterate that you don't have to be a qualified teacher, you don't have to have a teaching background, um, what you do have to have is a really strong relationship with your child. Um, you know, other than your child, you are the person who knows your child the best. Um, and that is what they need. They need the support from somebody who is on their side and his, who is advocating for them every single step of the way. Um, so that's my final, my parting words of wisdom for you. Love that. Thank you. You've given us a really, really good insight into your homeschooling, unschooling lives. I just want to thank you again for coming onto the podcast today. I know you're super busy. And I look forward to coming onto your podcast. Yes, you do. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye,